1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is Brady Trantham and everybody. Uh, thank you for watching on John's YouTube page. And to my right is Mr. Rufus Alexander and John Hoover, recording around 5 o'clock on Monday. So we've all got to experience Lincoln Riley's press conference. We've all got to experience Mike Gundy blowing up on a on a journalist during the teleconference prior to all the press conferences today. Uh, John, of course, will be uh, stay, sticking around after the podcast to go talk to players. Um, but yeah, we are now and officially in Texas Tech week. Uh, the bye week happened. OU dropped in the polls uh, back down to six because I guess everybody is so enamored with the fact that LSU can score a lot of points now, which is unprecedented in their uh, school's history over the last few years. But uh, everybody, it feels like it's been a while. I mean, bye weeks, bye weeks kind of take a lot out of me just from the standpoint of you get kind of accustomed to the momentum of the season starting and then it just stops. So I can only imagine what it's like, Rufus, as a player. But it seems like from Jalen Hurts um, up to Lincoln Riley, they really attacked the bye week with probably the right mindset of just trying to take a step back and reevaluate all the good and then all the bad. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you go back and you self-evaluate. You see what your tendencies are. You try to break a few of the tendencies that you do have. You see what defenses or what offenses really work for you offensive line-wise. You see what blocking schemes really help out your offensive line, and you can build on it. Uh, Beanbo, take an, um, go back and he evaluates because his offensive line struggled the first few games, played better the UCLA game, and he's going to see what he has over there as well. Uh, Receiver-wise, you go back and you look at – how you can make some combination routes that fits well with what Jalen Hurts can do and excel at, and then you you incorporate that with the guys you have there, and then you make it all work and marry together. So offensively is an easy self-scout. Defensively, I don't know how they can really self-scout themselves after playing the two opponents that they played. Um, UCLA, um, if it was a UCLA that played against Washington I was about State. To, I was about to say, oh, you strength the schedule got a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, um, but I mean, really, you, you take a look at the safety position and what you can do, what you can do better as well in that one, because I think that's the position that's been struggling a lot. Uh, Linebacker-wise, you see which linebacker because they've been playing a lot of people, so you see what people work in what situation. So uh, it's a lot of self-reflecting in these bye weeks, but the good thing about it is they won three games. They're not going in there learning from a loss. So that's the one of the big things. Yeah, and John, uh, the last podcast I did with Rufus last week, we kind of talked about this too, but I want to get your perspective on this as well. But um, everybody knows how – I, at best, average OU's strength of schedule has been thus far, and that's not their fault. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, so more power to them. But just kind of what Rufus was saying, how exactly can you grade this defense? I mean, from our perspective, it's kind of tough, but I can only imagine how tough it is from Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley's, and the and the rest of the defense's perspective. We're getting ready to. I'm getting ready to talk to uh, Alex Grinch today. Um, I'm surprised you didn't ask me from a media perspective what a what an open date or a bye week yeah. is like. I yeah. mean, you, when you're well, a media you were, guy, you were busy. You go down to Austin, <laughs> Texas, and you cover the uh, Cowboys and the Longhorns. That was a heck of a game, by the way. Um, no, the, the defense is done, and I asked Lincoln Riley this. This is what the story I'm writing. I'm glad you asked uh, today, tonight, for thefranchiseok.com, uh, is about uh, how the defense has played so far up to this point. And now that they're starting Big 12 conference play, 
Are they going to have to ramp that up? Are they going to have to improve their intensity, their focus, their, you know, practice habits? What's what's going to happen? Because you're stepping into con- not just conference play, it's Big 12 conference play. So let's see just exactly how good this defense has become. And it starts uh, this, this week. Yeah, and everybody kind of understands at this point there's going to be no Bowman for Texas Tech. It's going to be Jet Duffy quarterback who came in in the uh, second half last year when OU was in that shootout against Texas Tech in Lubbock and um, I don't know if you guys have had had the chance to do this just yet but um, yesterday I went back and watched the second half of that game just to see exactly what success Jet Duffy had against OU's defense because I, I remember it just before I watched it he started off slow like any other guy off the bench probably would and then he started to settle in and find some success and Tech and OU kept scoring basically against each other's soft defense but um, it really seemed like uh, the athleticism presented a problem for OU's defense, particularly uh, the linebackers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they, it just seemed like they were constantly chasing him um, upfield as opposed to side-to-side and corralling him uh, before he really broke into the open field. So, Rufus, I mean, do you see this as, you know, it's not the definitive test. I mean, that's going to come a few weeks later against Texas. But for a guy like Kenneth Murray, Deshaun White, those guys that knowing the strength of schedule that OU's had – They've done well, relatively speaking. Do you see this as just another stepping stone to where, okay, where exactly are you at this point in your career, and what can we say about this performance if they can corral Jet Duffy? Uh, one, I don't think uh, Duffy's going to be as athletic as De'Aaron King was. I mean, De'Aaron King was De'Aaron King was really athletic. When he get into the open field, he was, uh, I mean, explosive. Um, as well as DTR, I think DTR is a pretty athletic guy in the open field, and they were able to corral him. I don't think there wasn't a backup quarterback, a number three quarterback, a number four or five quarterback that did not have success against OU's defense last year. So yep. if you, you kind of sit back and you look at it, this is a different defense this year. They've played against two really athletic quarterbacks uh, in DTR as well as De'Eric King. Um, and they were able to corral and keep those guys, keep them, you know, at least for the most part, kind of in check a little bit as well. So I don't think Texas Tech is coming with an offense that's been very explosive yet this year. I think their defense has been better this year for Texas Tech than their offense has been. And then you take a hiccup with Bowman getting hurt. That's not a good thing for those guys. So um, for OU, I think you just continue doing what they're doing up front. I think the up front is the key to this defense of keeping teams off balance and causing turnovers and wreaking havoc, playing in the backfield. Um, I mean, what – what I think Grinch's job is going to be or what's going to be his test this week is now you have offenses that got a – I mean, offenses and coaches that got kind of a beat on what you do defensively. They got a they got a scouting report on you. They have three games of film, and now they can scout you and try to get certain things that you're doing and try to counter that, and that's where I think going to be the challenge for this defense and for Coach Grinch to see how they're trying to counter what he's been doing. I don't think the two teams that he's played before has been able to counter him a little bit. I think Texas Tech has a decent defensive line, offensive line that will be able to counter, to kind of do a few things that will challenge this defense. And um, Coach Grinch is going to have to make a few, um, a, a few adjustments in game, and that's what I'm willing. I guess what I can't wait to see how these guys adjust. How does the defense respond to that, and see how they play off of that? That's, that's going to be the the test in this game. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the defensive line because when I watched the second half of that game uh, yesterday, I had totally forgotten that that was like one of the more randomly good individual games that Neville Gallimore had. There were a few plays um, that he broke through uh, uh, the line of scrimmage and either 
forced a quarterback sack, um, got a sack himself, or got a tackle for loss. It was just one of those games where, you know, OU fans would watch and say, why don't we see that Neville Gallimore every single Saturday? Um, I don't know if it was because the matchup was favorable. I don't know if it was just because he was feeling himself, particularly that evening. But, um, you know, in that game, OU trailed, I believe, by four or five going into halftime. And, of course, OU ended up winning. But, and then, yes, Jet Duffy had to come in, so that hampered Tech's offensive attack. But, um, Tech has all the momentum coming out of the, um, coming out of the, um, uh, coming out of the locker room. And on the first drive, Tech goes three and out, mainly because Neville Gallimore blows up two plays. And so if the defensive line just keeps this steady, uh, attack, if they keep the steady pressure, it's going to help out OU's weaknesses on defense, which is in the back end, particularly with the safety position, because we all know what Tech is. Cliff Kingsbury is not there anymore, but it's still a lot of, like Lincoln Riley said it today at the press conference, it's still a lot of the same attack. It's still a lot of the same uh, players that have been in this air raid offense. So to me, like Rufus just said, it really comes down to Ronnie Perkins, Gallimore, and Jalen Redmond on Saturday. If only there was a player or two who could roll over and help out with the safety position. Yeah, I know. You know, if only there was somebody. Is that we, any suggestions? Is this a controversy? Is this like an OU controversy? Controversy. Controversy. Yes. <laughs> Trajan Bridges. They I don't are, know. I don't know where tra- this came from. The Trajan Bridges hour. <laughs> I don't know where this came from. Do you guys know how it started? I'm sure it started where it always starts on message, message boards, boards, and then it got to a point where somebody knows somebody, or somebody's a cousin in the athletic department saw and, him and practicing. The, yeah, or somebody saw somebody practicing from their window at the apartment complex on campus. Um, but apparently, I, I don't know who had to report it first, but somebody had to report that did happen, but it was Trajan that went to the coaching staff and of his own free will, it said, I want to try and do this. Particularly, if you guys have been living under a rock, Trajan Bridges apparently has been moved to safety, not full-time, but has <laughs> been working out at safety. Lincoln Riley had to talk about, yeah. um, he had to answer a few questions about that today. And I thought you guys did a really good job of when he kind of, uh, it, if it's, full-time safety like if I've switched positions I'll let you know yeah but you guys did the good media job of well in the event of what that happening that? Yeah, yeah so um I guess this is the Trajan Bridges hour for like yeah. the, so this is weird for me because um okay I don't really follow these guys I watch some of their film but I don't really follow these guys when they're in high school so I don't know how good of a safety Trajan Bridges is or or potentially might be I know he's a really good receiver and I've seen his highlights on on video. Okay, I think he's an unbelievable high school receiver. I think he's certainly capable of coming into college and being a guy who helps a team like Oklahoma, okay? I think he can be a good, very good wide receiver at OU. Can he be a good safety? And, and as a true freshman, is is that the move that's in his, his long-term best interest right now? With a, with a team that plays with a, a program and an offense like Lincoln Riley's and the quarterbacks that they have in here? You know, is it best for him to move to safety just so he can get on the field? I, I this is this is so strange to me. It, listen, if he was a three-star guy who just went to the coaches and said, "Coach, I just want to play," but he's a five-star guy who's like NFL teams are aware of. You know, I just I don't. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying I'm confused by it. Um, I mean, the thing about it is, um, you had guys that come in that had success that changed over. Uh, I mean, you had D.J. Wolf that went from running back to cornerback. You had Andre Wolfo that went from receiver his junior year into his senior year going and going and play corner cornerback. You had Lindy Holmes. Became a first-round draft pick. Became a first-round – yeah. You have Lindy Holmes that went from playing wide receiver going in and he's going to play uh, – from an athlete playing mainly offense to going in and play cornerback. 
Uh, you have who else? Mark Bradley went from DB to wide receiver. Alan Patrick went from uh, from cornerback to running back. I mean, a lot of different players that go and they make that transition. But was the the thing about it is a lot of those guys had a summer, a fall camp, and all that stuff to learn the footwork, to learn the game, learn what they need to do, how to get in position. Um, to do it a third game into the season, I think it's maybe for more for precautionary reasons for a last ditch effort. If I look, if all else fails, guys get injured, guys go down, we gonna have to figure something else out. And this is something that may speak to the lack of confidence in the other two guys that's back there, between Robert Barnes and you have uh, Washington back there. Um, they the confidence in those guys being able to get it or be able to being able to come in the game and help you should really raise alarms to a lot of people because of man Robert Barnes been here what this is going his third year and then you got Washington who's a true freshman as a guy that has played safety corner he has to get better as well um, so you, you have a lot of things that you know the question mark of having Bridges come there and being able to one start at safety should really like be like, whoa, what the hell is going on with the safety position? Yeah. Because he's a wide receiver that fa- that focuses mo- mainly on wide receiver all through high school, all through uh through spring and all and, and camp and all that stuff. Even fall camp when camp started, he wasn't doing any safety position. He was doing all wide receivers. So right. to come in third third game into the season and be able to crack the starting lineup. We have problems, folks. It's asking. We, it's asking a folks, lot. We have problems. It's, a, it's asking a lot for a kid to do that. To expect him to be able to, to, you know, know what to do. The safety position very complex. To know what to do and then to be able to do it at a high enough level that beats out all these other guys that are on this list. Delaren Turner, Yell, and Patrick Fields have been at best inconsistent in at the safety position. Uh, Justin Broyles is a backup. He, I thought he was the man in the spring. I thought he was having one of the best springs. Uh, turns out that you know, and Robert Barnes, we saw him deliver some plays last year. Hasn't been able to to recapture that. But when you talk to Alex Grinch, and he says the safeties are essentially these these are my words summing up his words. The safeties are basically the weak link on the defense. The safeties have been the most inconsistent. That happens to be my position. I'm the safeties coach. I've got to do a better job of coaching the safeties. That's where we're at with this, is that the coach is saying the four guys I got and the six guys that I got, going back to Woody Washington, the freshman, and all these guys that we've tried, none of them are working. So that's that's the alarming part, is that you've got to reach not just into the freshman class, but to ask one of the wide receivers to do it. Yeah, I I even hate asking this question, Rufus, but I've, I've already seen this kind of talked about on Twitter amongst OU fans. Is this a motivational tactic? I mean, is it something as simple as, like, Grinch telling these safeties, you guys have not played up to par, um, you guys are the weak link, and if you don't improve, you're going to lose your job to a wide receiver who's never played the position. I mean, is it is it as simple as just a motivational tactic, or is it just Grinch needs better depth, and if he has to grab a wide receiver of like out of the bag of five star wide receivers that are already on this team, then he'll have to do it. Hell no, it ain't no, it ain't no tactical thing. I mean, it ain't it ain't nothing about motivation or anything like that. I mean, why would I have to motivate guys to come and play? I think guys are not forgetting their bad habits that they had before. They had a clean slate, and you you keep on doing other things that that create bad habits. I think the whole part about it is it's not only the safety part. I think it's the nickel part as well. I think the nickel part plays a big role in this also because maybe Patrick Fields is better closer to the line of scrimmage than he is way on the back end. 
and you, you, you're struggling right now because you put him back there because you think, well, he's the most reliable person I can put back there. And it, the game comes fast when you're back there at the safety position. So maybe he needs to be closer to the line of scrimmage and he may be a better nickel. You got to look at the shuffle that's going on back there because Buki did good against South Dakota. He did not do great against UCLA. He did not have his best game against those guys. And that's been the knock on him. Whenever you play against higher caliber teams, it has more a lot of talent. That's up. That's supposed to be five star versus five star. He doesn't do well. So therefore, you have that position right there that's in flux. Also, you have Chance Selvi that's been there for that's been in the program for a while. Battled injury. He's another person, but he's also played inconsistent in games. So you have those situations right here. So the safety position is not is not not a settled situation. But I also do not think the nickel such uh, position is settled. I'm looking for other guys to come in there. I'm, I think the cornerback position looks really good. I think you want to get Jaden Davis on the field. I can see Trey Brown moving into a nickel and playing one of those cover positions. He does really well when he blitzes. He blitzes heel. But the thing about it is his tackling has suffered here pretty much um, here lately. Yeah, he brought it up last week. So you want that guy to get better as well. But my corners are my best guys, so I'm going to find a position that has the most talented guys. Trey Norwood getting hurt really hurt this team because he was your guy that you can put in the back end if you're struggling. Now you don't have that guy that played safety that you trust a lot on the safety position because he was like your Swiss Army knife that you moved back and forth. Well, Buki wasn't playing. He was a second-string guy, and Trey Norwood was your nickel, your nickel back. So now you have this big – you got this position where, well, now my, my nickel's not playing well. My safeties are not pay, playing well. What do I do? How do I fix this situation right now? In the grand in the grand scheme of things, how do I fix it right now? And now you're seeing them make some kind of moves to where if they struggle, they're trying to continue have this competition play out on the field and guys are not taking to it. And so here you go. You have a, a, a wide receiver moves to safety. You're going to see how that guy does. I mean, I don't think it's a, a ploy or I'm trying to work a guy in to push some other guys the hell you I mean you're sitting on the bench right now while two other guys who are inconsistent are playing ahead of you where the hell is your motivation where is your focus where is your extra film work you know and that's where you know I figured I think Justin Broyles is the kid I think like when you first saw him come here at Oklahoma he had such a he wanted to learn so much and he was in the film room and doing all that extra stuff I, I don't know I don't know like I would look for him to come out of this and and take and own the spot. Somebody has to own the spot, and that's been the problem. Nobody's owned the spot. Nobody's settled down and said, all right, I got this. And that's where I think you see the struggle at. Yeah, and you brought up a good point about Trey Norwood that, I, frankly, um, I don't mean it in an insulting way. I just kind of forgot about it because the injury occurred so early in fall camp, and it was you're just kind of like hardwired in your brain that he's just not going to be a part of the team this season. And at this point, like you can certainly see – like, if OU's going to lose a game, it might be because of their safeties. And not having Trey Norwood, you know, back in fall camp, I, I don't think it, there were that many people that were going to say, oh, Trey Norwood's out. Like, that's that's terrible for the OU defense because people were just having their minds. Tylen Wallace eat, eating his lunch. Um, him face-guarding against Texas on all those third and longs and then getting pass interference calls on him. Um, but Trey Norwood's probably a guy like – Kenneth Murray, Neville Gallimore, all these guys that have been inconsistent in their career that have at least shown some improvement under Alex Grinch. Maybe Trey Norwood was that type of guy. Maybe he could have been that type of guy to help take that next step and at least be reliable 
to a point where he's better at the nickel spot or in the back end uh, over Patrick Fields. So, and then uh, just from out of all those guys that were in, he was having a kick-ass camp. Hmm. I mean, Trey Norwood was having a really, really good camp. So where Parnell Motley was having a good camp, Trey Brown was having a good camp. That kid was having an equally as good or better camp than those guys were. So, and those guys are playing really well right now. Just Trey Brown's tackling. It's the only thing you have a problem with right now. But as far as covering, being where he's supposed to be, tackling, blitzing, doing all that stuff, he was doing really well. So I hate to see it because he was – it looks like the future looked really good for Trey Brown. I mean, for Trey Norwood. Yeah, and uh, from the young guy's perspective, I'm still frankly kind of surprised that we haven't seen a lot of uh, Jeremiah Cordell. And he was a guy that I was excited for. But, I mean, I mean, Rufus, you probably saw a little bit more than I did. So uh, go right ahead. Rufus shaking his head like it's a little too soon. A little too, I, I mean, stream, extremely athletic. He's a very athletic kid. He can play the game. I think he's just raw. A lot of raw talent. Um, he'll come out there and make some big plays and tackles and stuff, but he'll also blow about four or five plays as well because he's just – the game hadn't slowed down for him. But he's going to be really good. Like, either huh? A year away. He's a year away player, just like Washington. Denny Washington is a year away. He's not yet there body-wise, mentality-wise. He's not there yet, so he's a year away. I mean, that's like trying to tell me as a true freshman, well, you can come out here and play. I'm telling you, I was a year away from playing because there's no way I could have done it. My mind just wasn't developed enough to play it. I didn't see things like I saw it. after, like Coming out of my, my redshirt freshman year, I saw things. I seen the screen before it happened. I saw run game before the play even happened. I saw the pass before it even developed. I can only I can look at one receiver and know just two or three things are going to happen. Those guys are not ready for that yet. And if they were, they would be in the lineup right now. I trust me, they would be there in the lineup because that's when you know these guys they got it. There's an element of that that I want to interject right here. Uh, doesn't have to do with the DBs or anything in particular, but since you talked about the redshirt season, Lincoln talked about uh, – he was asked about Charleston Rambo today. And where I'm going with this is, guys, I've been covering college football for 20 years. I don't think I realized this. This is something that maybe people don't understand or, or didn't comprehend before Lincoln illustrated it for us today, and that is when you do redshirt, you are on a weightlifting and fitness condition, conditioning training regimen that you're not when you're playing I, now I knew the guys that played have a maintenance schedule you know you lift a little bit and you keep your strength up and you hit hit the weights a couple of times a week or whatever it is but the red shirts the guys who are not playing they're in here and they're training like it's spring they're training like it's winter they're training like it's summer I didn't know that and so what you're doing is you're building their bodies up and building their minds up their toughness and all that to a point where when they are ready as redshirt freshmen to come in the following season, they're physically ready to play. And Lincoln talked about uh, getting Charleston Rambo in this particular case. He called him rail thin when he got here. Thin as a rail. I remember seeing him on the sideline yeah. thinking, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and you saw pictures of C.D. Lamb when he was uh, at the you know high school, All-American, whatever it was. He was uh, at the camps and all that stuff. He's just skinny. You look at him now, and he looks like he's – He looks like be, Julio Jones. He look, could be, looks like he could be wearing a superhero costume swinging through New York City. I'm like, that's the same kid? So that's all because of that red shirt season that, that you made reference to. It's amazing. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. I feel stupid for not knowing that, that red shirt freshmen – Basically, they go out here and they scout team, and then they come in here and they bust the iron. 
John, I was kind of scared. You brought up Charleston Rambo. I thought you were about to tell us that Lincoln's going to move him to safety too. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what, are you about to redshirt him again? No, <laughs> what happened? But no, um, and like for what John said, I mean, whenever we were re- – whenever I was a redshirt freshman, every Monday, so Saturday – like whenever you played a game on a Saturday, every Monday the freshman – Offensive linemen and maybe two second-year guys, guys that wasn't playing on Saturdays and stuff, we would play the toilet bowl. That's what we called it. It was the toilet bowl. So the freshman guys, they got to go in, and it was full go, tackle to the ground. And, I mean, you have two, two and three-year guys that were that were that been in the program for two and three years, guys out there, those guys trying to block you. Then you have your young guys mixed in the middle of that. I remember I had, I had Dante Hickson didn't play. And Dante Hickson, well, I think was a junior my my freshman year or sophomore or something. Two thousand three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was the number two rated running back or number one rated running back out of Texas. And I mean, dude, he was. He's been in the program. He's a big dude. He's two hundred something pounds. I'm like two hundred pounds soaking wet. So I'm ready. You you get all that work, all that action going in, and that and the whole like we said, you know, the toilet bowl. It, it was funny at the time, but you get, you know, your toilet bowl MVP, you get put on the little wall and stuff, <laughs> you know. But it w- it was the fun – that was the fun part about red shirting. It, it, I mean, I'm telling you guys, it was a blast. It was a fun – it was fun to do. You felt a sense of like, you know, if I can play with these guys and I can, ma- I can make that bridge on that other gap, the players cheer you on, the coaches cheer you on and stuff, and then your coach come and gives you tips and stuff. And that's how I learned the defense. I learned how to freestyle – doing some of the stuff right there. Some of the older guys came and told me, nah, you don't do this. You do this right here on that. For for Charleston Rambo, you can see the game slow down for him. And he was an immature kid his first year. And and that's why, I mean, you, you look at CD. CD was very mature for his age. Charleston Rambo wasn't that guy ready to come in and play. You can see it in practice, drop balls, inconsistency. He, You can push him off the line. He didn't like the physicality of it. Now look at him run around out there. He's a totally different guy. Real quick to clarify, CD uh, has worked hard and gotten his body up. He didn't redshirt. No. He came in as a true freshman, as you just said. And if I could, Brady, if I could turn the conversation back to the defense yeah, away from the red shirts. Yeah, the breaking news out of today's press conference is encouraging for Oklahoma's defense, although it's not as big a deal probably right away. Kenneth Mann. Kenneth Mann is ready to play. He's coming back. Lincoln said he's been close. He's been real close. Um, but – uh, he also said he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to earn his position. He's going to have to earn the playing time. He's not just because he's played before doesn't mean he can walk out here and say, "Okay, I'm ready now." Uh, which is interesting to me because the D line has been playing great, has been the best unit on the defense so far. The defensive line, especially against UCLA, so disruptive, breaking up plays in the backfield on every play. Now roll. Now imagine that. Jumping into Big 12 Conference with Kenneth Mann in your pocket. It's going to be pretty encouraging. Another former starter. And and Kenneth Mann, he was a guy that earlier on in his career where he was a spot guy or he'd come in after some substitutions – he would perform really well. Then he got a high, uh, a bigger responsibility. He he was uh, was he a team captain last year? I believe he was a team captain last year. And it just what whether it was minor injuries that just kind of accrued, or it was just yeah. the snowball effect of the defense. Had an elbow injury. He was always nicked up. He couldn't move his arm like yeah. he wanted to. Yeah. But it, it, he certainly seems like a guy that could not just help death because he's another body and he's another guy with a lot of experience. But he is still talented. And if he's if he's spelling Neville Gallimore, if he's spelling those guys that are um, performing at a high level, 
breaking up, um, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. That's only it's it's only a better thing for this defense, and it's it's like the best unit on the defense just got better and just in time. I mean, Rufus just for a Big Twelve competition and the high flying offenses that OU is going to have to prove that they can somewhat stop or make enough plays. I mean, I don't even want to say make enough plays. That's that was the mentality of the last few years of the defense: just make two or three plays to make the difference in the game. This is a defensive line that can truly, um, from what we've seen so far, this is a defensive line that can really alter a game just by their pressure alone. Yeah, now you can get into a really true four-down line situation. You can take out John Michael Terry, and then you can put a Jalen Redman on the outside with a Kenneth Mann on the inside of him, and you have Perkins on the other side and rush him off the edge. But, I mean, Kenneth Mann has played a lot between the tackle and the guard a lot, so he knows how to play that position and take on those blocks and stuff. But now you can take a guy like Jalen Redman and really rush off the edge with him against a tackle and put Kenneth Mann against a guard. So you really kind of open it all up or do it vice versa, but I think you'll like – You'll, you'll like more of Redman because he's more explosive first step-wise, and Kenneth Mann can be on the inside. And Kenneth Mann has some good pass rushing moves. So, again, you can look at this as a plus because now you have in that position where you have Stokes, Redman, now you have Kenneth Mann. Now you can take that out and you got – on the other side you have, what, Stripling and you have Perkins on the other side. So now you can take Redman. Redman can be your Swiss Army knife and go from that side to this side. You can have a true rush situation where you can take out a John Michael Terry and I want to be faster rushing off the edges and really bring some pressure. Here you go. You got two guys that can be premier pass rushers on the edges, and you can have guys that go up against the guard like a Kenneth Mann and LaRon Stokes who can play those positions. So you got to love having Kenneth Mann back because of the depth that is that it adds, but it also allows you to be – a little bit more creative with Jalen Redman because some of the things he's done on the field has been, whoa, it's been very explosive. And he's, I mean, he split three one time. And he's, then, a monster. he's a monster. And then <laughs> his rip slap against the guard that he had against, he set him up right and then slapped him back the other way was like, is explosive. Things that you don't see our defensive line or haven't seen him do in a long time. So you want to get that guy out there rushing on a tackle on some uh, passing situation. So that's will be a good situation for those guys. And it certainly, John, it certainly helps uh, Alex Grinch's philosophy of preparing these guys for the, the, the snap count total. And as somebody that covers basketball for a living, the way when Alex Grinch describes his coaching philosophy, uh, particularly with his substitutions, it sounds a lot like basketball analytics where like load management comes into play, where um, it's not necessarily how many plays you play, but the, the impact that you have in the small usage rate that you actually have and you saw that a lot against UCLA you've seen it a lot in these three games where guys will play for a series or two and then they'll get spelled for somebody else and it's part of it is just Grinch trying to manufacture some depth um, for the the long haul season some of it is trying to find uh, like giving Neville Gallimore instead of him playing 60 to 80 snaps a game you know if you're going to do 40 to 50 he's probably going to have more of an impact because he's going to be He's going to have fresher legs. And so you had Kenneth Mann to that equation, a guy who's started before and has a lot of experience. It's going to help that that overall philosophy. And if the defensive line gets better, I, I mean, that's it's going to do wonders for OU's chances in, in this conference, considering it's a little bit probably, you know, thus far it looks a little tougher at, from the midpoint of the conference up. Yeah, and I don't I, – I think what he's done so far is he's kept a lot of guys engaged, Alex Grinch. He's kept a lot of guys interested, uh, getting a little bit of playing time, getting a few snaps here and there. Uh, I don't think from this point forward we're going to see many games where the Sooners play 36 
or 40 guys. Uh, I was just looking at the roster. You count 11 positions, and I see about seven backups that are going to get playing time from here on out. Based on what we've seen, I, I think it's going to be about 18, probably no more than 20, unless you get into a real blowout situation, which Oklahoma's offense is talented enough that that could absolutely happen. Um, did you have one? Yeah, but I think it's all really a situational for Neville Gallimore. I, I'm telling you, if you go back and you watch the – was it? I think it was the UCLA game. Um, I believe um, – or was it the Houston game, I believe? I think it was the Houston game where you saw Q Overton get in the game. No, actually, it was UCLA. And he went they – slanted, they slanted left, and then he had to redirect and come back right, and he made a tackle going down the line. Guys like that – I mean, things like that, that those big guys are making those kind of plays. And if you got a guy like Q Overton making those kind of plays, you can be – you're okay with having Neville come out and get a break here and there. Like, but the playing all those guys that he were playing, a lot of it is situational. But if you look at the defensive line, you can look at it and say, yeah, you know what? They can still play all those guys. I mean, you can still play Redman and all those guys. That got, one of the guys that are going to get as an odd man looking out is, I think is Isaiah Thomas is one of those kids that may be fighting an uphill battle to get some time, more playing time on the field. Um, I, I think you look at John Michael Terry and Benito our two guys are interchangeable. Yep, I agree. You can go interchangeable with those guys. But the position that has to really get settled, I think, is the will linebacker position. Is either going to be Ryan Jones or Deshaun White. And Deshaun White had a better game, the UCLA game. Yeah, they go back and forth as well. Right. And they go back and forth. So I think those two right there, I did the whole splitting time at the linebacker position, and it sucked. <laughs> you never get in a rhythm. It's just you never get in a flow of the game. Whenever you're playing the game at linebacker, you know when the pass coming, when the run's coming because you have a feel, and you look at it whenever they're lining up to the line. And Coach, Coach Venables used to say one thing. is like ele- you can hear the elephants playing, the, the elephants rumbling. That's, that means they're coming on the pass, and you can hear them soft setting, and you don't hear the crackling of the pads and stuff. That means it's a pass. A lot of times if you're not in the game playing and feeling that rhythm of the of how hard they come off the ball versus how soft they come off the ball, you won't get it. So they'll be always off balance. So you would like to see that position get settled because, you know, I don't see Kenneth Murray, Kenneth Murray coming out a lot once it gets deep into the se- won't season. Won't be a lot of Brian Mead from this point forward. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You see a UCLA. That was something to keep Kenneth fresh. I mean, you down the rest of the season. Him, you, need, you need to put him in those situations against UCLA. Because they were so bad. Yeah. They were so bad. Um, running one play, basically. Yeah. After, look, after Chip Kelly done won against Wasu, I mean, against Washington State, because I thought he was checking out. That was crazy. I thought he was checking out. What a game. 29 points in the fourth quarter. Hey, look, yeah. I thought Chip Kelly was checking out. The way he came with the game plan against Oklahoma, I was like, dude, this dude's <laughs> checked out. He just got the cash just checked, and he's done. Some another point I wanted to make about the defense before we move on to offense or kicking. There was or whatever. one thing I wanted to get to because we've got about ten minutes until you have to go do some uh, player yep. availability. Um, so, great question by Bob Prisbillo today about the the vibe that the defensive recruits are getting now. Now that they've seen the product on the field, and Lincoln talked ex- ex- very expressly about instead of promises and hope and hype, he said the, the recruits that were recruiting to this defense. He said they're excited about the way we're playing defense. They can actually see now yeah. what they're buying. But basically, you can have a, a house on the hill, but if you don't advertise it, nobody's going to come buy it. Well, they've advertised it now with three games, and they, they're allowing these guys to see what style of defense they're playing. I think that's huge. Yeah, and like as a fan, that was the, one of the more frustrating things over the last few seasons with the defense was just it's one thing to accept that the Big 12 is a hard – 
hard league to defend. Like you're not going to shut everybody out. You're not going to hold everybody to under 150 yards passing and all that stuff. But to just completely resign yourself to we're just going to have to give we're just going to give up a bunch of points. Every defense in this conference wasn't routinely giving up school records of yardage every single week. It was just Oklahoma. So that attitude to me was just so like you're shooting yourself in the foot before the game is even played. And that's why I was pretty like really big in the offseason of maybe out just having a different voice and a different mentality is simply what this defense needs. And from the excitement standpoint, you're certainly seeing that. And if that's what it takes to maybe a guy that's on the edge, like a four star linebacker, you know, maybe even if OU gets lucky, a five star guy, if they just look at this defense and say there's momentum there. There's excitement there, and if I go there, I can really turn the um, turn the page uh, in the positive way for this defense. Then Alex Grinch has done his job. I think, and I think the thing was with Mike, it was like he always gave you hope. That's what he was going to being aggressive and getting up the field and all that stuff. But then you get into the season, and everybody in the frog stand standing in front of guys and just pretty much standing there and taking it and just oboe rushing on one side. That was just not going to cut it. You can't rush a team with one person. And OSU showed that last night. They had the other night against Texas. I mean, dude, they just sat there and took it the whole entire the whole entire game. And that's the thing that I, I, I was so happy not to see anymore. Guys flying off the ball, getting in the backfield, instead of just sitting there getting punched in the mouth and just let a guy just sit there, hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball until he saw somebody come open. That's what made it so much worse to watch because you know it could be done a lot different. And you saw times in games when they let guys get off the ball, they made plays in the backfield. And then they would go back to sitting sitting three, like getting back into a frog stance. I was like, what the hell is he doing? This didn't make any sense. So I'm happy the way Grinch is doing it. I'm glad, I'm glad he's so aggressive. If if you're going to give up plays, I'm going to up, give up plays and I'm going to punch you raw receiver in the mouth. I'm going to punch you quarterback in the mouth. Everybody that I can punch, I'm going to punch them before they go into the end zone. And I mean, by the end of the game, you're going to have a bloody nose or something, not have, not just get out of it with a scratch. And that's, I think, is the, I think the mentality of these guys now. Now we're going to hit you. You may get some plays, but we're going to hit you. You're going to have a bloody nose by the time you get out of here. I may have a black eye. You're going to have one too. But at the end of the day, we are going to get into some kind of altercation instead of a pillow fight. I think that's exactly right because there's a difference between – like if a good defense comes from just an aggressive coach in, in the form of he's very animated on the sideline or up in the coach's booth, then OU's defense would be top ten over the last few years. It's not, it's not necessarily just being animated. I mean, Alex Grinch has animated himself on the sideline, but really what it is is just giving your guys a chance, giving your guys a chance to be aggressive and to make plays because you're not completely cowardly in your approach of defending uh, high-powered offenses. Yeah, and I think he's done it by – He's done it by pretty much force. Either you ask going to do it or you're going to sit on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, oh, you're not going to do it? I'm going to get a receiver to come over here and play safety. He's either you're going to do it or you're going to sit. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> and so their mentality had to change because it was done by what the coach demanded and what he made you do. And he said, look, either you're going to sit or you're going to play hard. Either you're going to play with speed or you're not. Case in point, Mark Jackson, where has he been? Not playing. Play with speed, play with heart. Are you going to sit your ass on the bench? And there you go. You see Stripling. He's in there playing. Right? True freshman. There's no reason why Mark Jackson should be on the field. But you have to get you have to put your heart into what you're doing. If you're going to have heart do this, then you get these type of situations and you get left by. And that's and it's okay. If you don't feel that you're ready to do it, it's okay, it's fine. But you can't get upset if you get left behind. One last thing, gentlemen. Um, 
everybody kind of knows at this point, Callum Sutherland, OU's kicker, uh, was arrested for public intox, which Lincoln Riley talked about it, said that he's it's going to be handled internally. Um, John was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing about public intox is that can John be... John was not drinking. That can be the absolute worst of he was a complete and utter nuisance outside screaming, or he could have just technically left a bar after having a few drinks and then just got mm-hmm. cited by a police officer. So who knows yeah. what exactly happened, but Lincoln said it would be dealt with. Now, Rufus, you have... Handled internally. Handled internally. You uh, played with he a also player. said he was very disappointed in his yeah. decision-making. Well, yeah, you don't want that on your program. You don't right. want to have to answer that call at two in the mo- 2.30 in the morning. Um, but, Rufus, if you didn't want to talk about this, I completely understand, but you did play with a guy... Um, during your days at OU that had some problems uh, getting caught drinking when he wasn't supposed to. And this is a different uh, coaching staff, of course. It's a different regime. But I would assume that college coaches basically deal with these types of infractions pretty similarly. So this particular player, how was he punished? Uh, was it just simply you're running uh, bleachers from sunup to sundown? Like what what goes on when this happens? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I th- maybe think about that Bomar guy. There you go. I think yeah, I think <laughs> um I think you you went on the um stairmaster and you did your stairmaster early in the morning and I on the stairmaster at like level 13. It's like a it's a fast it's a fast climb. I do six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's a Screw it's that. a fast climb and they know the amount of calories you're going to burn. They have it down broken down to a science. So it, it's not somewhere you can slow it down and get off of it or whatever. So I think he did that for a little for I think either a week or so. Um I got in trouble when I was at OU with uh on campus corner. I was stopping a fight and got arrested and they said I was disturbing the peace and all that stuff. Yada yada yada. I didn't get in. I didn't get in trouble. I mean, uh, Coach Stoops came and he talked to me and asked me what happened, and I was very truthful and stuff and said what happened. Um, didn't get a public. I got. I think I got a public intoxication. I don't even remember. I didn't blow or anything like that. But again, those those things they handle them internally. Um, it depends on how bad he was. If he was being a jackass when he was outside, or if he wasn't. If the cop just kind of if he man, I was just walking home from the bar and. Boom, this came up. So he'll do a little bit of running and he'll be back out there. He'll be on the field. Um, but you don't want it to be a problem, something that continuously happened. I mean, stuff happens where you're in college, you're young, so you're going to make young mistakes. I mean, you had Paul Thompson had his situation. You had uh, Brett Rawls had his situation. I mean, Yikes. and his kept coming. I mean, his kept coming up. But but you have young guys that make young mistakes. And, and so you can always bounce back from them. You don't let them define you. And as long as it doesn't keep repeating itself, he should be all right. Yeah, and he, of course, had a solid game against UCLA. So That's it's, the kind of insight you only get on the Inside OU podcast. Exactly. From, I mean, from a former player who got nicked on campus corner, he told you exactly <laughs> what happened and what his punishment was, I, or lack of punishment. I didn't I name mean, it. Now, now, I had to run for it. Now, I had to run for my mistake of getting, you know, arrested or whatever. Went do my, I had to, but actually, I had 30 minutes. And, I mean, 30 minutes is enough. I mean, 30 minutes on the dang Stairmaster up there going 13, just running up the thing, barely (laughs) falling down and stuff. So, again, I was punished for it, and I got to play the next week. It wasn't wasn't an egregious thing. I I wasn't doing it purposely. I was stopping, actually stopping somebody from getting in trouble, and cops just kind of took it to a whole nother level. Well, whatever. (laughs) So, for for Callum Sutherland and for Lincoln Riley, who hasn't had to deal with this much, at least – in the public like this. The Baker stuff wasn't no, anything. No, but this is – and Baker, you know, same thing back then anyway. 
Oh, this is actually, a, I forgot about when he got actually arrested. So yeah, I, yeah. I meant the stuff during the season, not during yeah. the off season. No, that was something he had to deal with. Exactly. But where I'm going with this is this is a great teaching moment, and it's something for Kyle Sutherland, who's a young kicker, to learn. Oh man, everybody, everybody's watching me. Not just when I kick; they're watching me all the time. My name's in the newspaper now. My name's on the radio now. My name's on the Inside OU podcast now for something other than kicking. He learned. Okay, let's hope he learned. And then Lincoln Riley learned. He's from Scotland, so I'm, I'm sure what he's thinking is, God, America's like drinking laws are so weird and strict. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on now. Just having a good time. But um, Rufus, did you have anything else before yeah, we got out um, here? One thing, I just for the young kid, you know, you, you have this that happens. Put it, put it behind you. Do your punishment. And, I mean, one thing you can build off is the confidence that he made two field goals. So you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And hopefully he, this doesn't mess with him and he doesn't continue to have these drinking issues. That's the only thing I would say. But, man, you got to – you gotta. I mean, I, like I said, we're young. We're kids. We come to college. It's fun. It's a fun it's time. It's fun, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun. You got Especially on an off week, too. Ain't nothing to do on a Saturday. Hell, I didn't play football, though, <laughs> but I, I still had play. Friday, Saturday, I have nothing to do. Friday, Saturday, I'm <laughs> off. Man, it's like kids go crazy. There you go. I bet yeah. you Campus Corner was bumping this past weekend. I would imagine so. Well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening to the Inside OU Podcast with Rufus and John. John's about to go run and talk to some football players and some football coaches. So thank you for listening to our football podcast and watching on John's YouTube page. But for Mr. Rufus Alexander and John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good one. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Listen to John Hoover weekdays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.